Hey, 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 happy Thursday, everybody. It's nice and sunny here in the New York area. And why shouldn't it be? We just concluded a three-game series with the Reds. We won the, won the rubber game in a match. Strowman was out of this world. We gained a game on the Phillies in the standings. We're coming back home. We have a day off to recuperate. Things couldn't be better. Yes, we are here today for the happy recap. Who's ready? I know I am. What a day for the Metsies, huh? I think this is one of those turning point games yesterday. And like I said, I do believe in this team. I think we're here to stay. So let's see what this brings us. I'm really cranking up beat the Mets out today, huh? Maybe I'm just in a good mood. I don't know. I have it way higher than I usually do. Let's bring it down a notch so you can actually hear my dulcet tones as I speak to you. Okay, is that better? Can you actually hear me? Or would you rather hear Meet the Mets? Uh, okay, I get it now. Anyway, that's okay. I can take it all. But let's just say the big thing with the Mets lately is everyone's talking about starting pitching help. Well, yesterday they didn't need help at all. Marcus Stroman delivered. Now, who knows what the Mets are going to do come the trade day line. Are they going to go for that big splash hitter like Chris Bryant? Or would they prefer to spend their limited prospect resources elsewhere? I don't know. But the Mets did hit three more homers yesterday, including a Dominic Smith. Yes, the Dominator came through, uh, and that was so nice to see. Uh, he came through with a big, big day, a grand slam in their 7-0 win over the Reds on Wednesday. And they scored seven-plus runs for the fourth time in their last five games. Now, granted, uh, PNC and Great American Ballpark are very hitter-friendly ballparks. Uh, the pitching staffs for neither ball club is really good. But the way the Mets have hit this year, just to score seven runs uh, for four out of the five games is very encouraging. The bats are really coming around now. And uh, like I said, if everyone's back healthy, they should be able to do what they should be able to do. And uh, it looks like everyone's coming through with a big day now and then. It was Smith and Giorme yesterday. Giorme with the big two-run homer. But the Mets still ranked 29th in the major leagues with 3.72 runs per game. That was before the All-Star game, I should say. And they're fifth in the league with an average of 6.67 runs per game since after the All-Star game. Now, granted, that's a small sample size. And like I said, uh, we may not have been pitch batting against the best pitching staffs out there. But yesterday, Marcus Stroman wasn't complaining. He loved the outburst. He delivered eight shutout innings and one-hit ball to give a beleaguered pitching staff some much-needed length. And we know it's been a long, long year for the offense, but they've been going through their ups and downs. But as long as they can stay consistent and stay healthy, I think we're in good shape offensively. Now, remember when all the controversy was when the Mets dismissed hitting coach Chili Davis earlier this season? Uh... The Mets kind of made him out to be the scapegoat when they pinned the criticism on him for the team's uh, hitting troubles. 
But the real fact of the matter was, it was the injuries. Uh, for the better part of two months, the Mets played without Nimmo, McNeil, Conforto, Davis. And in their absence, the guys that were supposed to pick us up, uh, Lindor and McCann, slumped. Now, you always need bats in the lineup, one through nine. And maybe it was because they didn't have protection in the lineup, Lindor and McCann, that they slumped. But it was only a matter of time, like I've been saying, if you listen to these podcasts, and if you do, I'm so glad you do, that the Mets would offense would come around if they stayed healthy. Uh, and it was so refreshing to have the final piece snap back into place last Friday when J.D. Davis returned from the I.L. Now, granted, Lindor suffered an injury shortly thereafter, and the Mets are at least now operating at something close to full strength. But like I say, Nimmo is the key to this offense. Uh, he singled to spark the Grand Slam rally in the third inning, and he is reaching base at a 417 clip since returning from his own injury. He has been phenomenal. And McNeil followed Nimmo's single, one of his own, and he's riding an 11-game hitting streak. And isn't it nice to have Jeff McNeil being Jeff McNeil again? And Pete Alonso has smashed since winning the home run derby, while Michael Conforto homered twice in the Mets series victory over Reds, is really hitting the ball with authority now. He's not uh, swinging late, chasing anymore. He's When he gets his pitch, he's hitting it fair and square. And they're really looking more and more like an offense than on paper. Figured to be one of the National League's best heading into the season. And uh, I think the Mets want that consistency going. And if it does, it takes a lot of pressure off the pitching, that's for sure. One hand washes the other. Now, if the Mets can prove that it should go for pitching or Bryant, uh, I don't know. It's hard. You think of Johannes Cespedes and what a jump start he gave them. Uh, but if they keep hitting like this, do they really need Chris Bryant? I mean, when you think about it, in the long term, is he something that's going to fit in the Met puzzle? Because you're going to have to say, if he's just going to be a rental player for two months, is he worth giving up prospects? I think the only way you go for Chris Bryant is if you sign him long term. Uh, so I think... I'm never one to make trades for the sake of making trades. When they made the Cespedes trade, it was really out of necessity because they were at, had like John Mayberry Jr. and uh, who was the other stiff? Uh, Eric Soup Campbell in the middle of the lineup. It was looking bleak. This year, it's just been about the injuries. We have the bats. So I just want to see the Mets get missing pieces. And I am counting so much on Carrasco and Syndergaard coming back. So going into the playoffs, we have five great arms coming in there. I'm going to take my chances with what we have, but I don't know what the Mets are going to do. Uh, my gut feeling is uh, Steve Cohen wants to make a splash. He wants to prove he's in it to win it, but Steve, you're a businessman. Uh, you got to make the right decision, and we still have about 10 days before the deadline, so hopefully that is the right decision, whatever you make. Uh, but how about Guillerme yesterday? He hit his second home run in just 156 career games. Uh, and he hit 12 in his minor league, over 618 games in the minor league. So uh, it was nice to see him hit a home run. <laughs> I think they loved him on the bench. Uh, and he, it was good to see him uh, pick it up offensively because he had a tough stretch there defensively, especially... Three errors, two on one play in the 15-11 win on Monday. 
but even then he reached base three times and uh, on Monday. But you could see how much we miss Lindor as a shortstop. But we'll get by. We'll get by. And Jonathan Vore's second inning home run put the Mets in front. So everything's clicking right now. I have no complaints. It's going to be a tough series. Toronto's a little bit struggling. Uh, but they are so talented and so young and good. But let's just hope Jeff McNeil enjoys the day off because he left yesterday's game with a little bit of fatigue. And uh, I was a little concerned why they taking him out. Why didn't they take him out? They took him out after he beat out an infield grounder in the eighth inning. Uh, and I guess, you know, when, you, when you're out of action for that long, he played six games in a row. Uh, he played all the games on the road trip. So hopefully McNeil, you know, gets his rest. And uh, one guy who's been resting a long time is Carlos Carrasco. And uh, we got to see how where he's progressing. I want him to be a big part of this rotation now, like the last six weeks or so. But he did give up three homers in one and two, three innings in his rehab start for Syracuse. So a little concern there. Uh, maybe his just command was off a little bit. Uh, but we'll see. But the Mets going to need a starter for Sunday and two more for a doubleheader on Monday against the Braves. And uh, it looks like they're going to wait. Strowman's not going to pitch till Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting. Anthony Banda, Steven Nagosik, Nick Tropiano. Who even knew about these guys in the beginning of the year? They were all candidates to start in a doubleheader and over the weekend. Uh, Travis Blankenhorn and Tropiano were recalled from Syracuse after Robert Stock was placed on the injured list with a right hamstring strain. And Jeff Hartley was option. Now, Blankenhorn gives the Mets another backup infield after Jose Peraza was placed on the IL with a right injured middle finger. Now, like I said, with the trade deadline coming, what are you going to do? Uh, you don't want to fall into like a full sense of security of what you have. But again, you don't want to mortgage the future. And like I said, I am so glad, so glad that I don't have to make these decisions. I can just sit here and do this podcast and guess. But it would be nice if you got Jose Barrios or Kyle Gibson or Michael Pineda or Tyler Anderson. But I always say you build for the long term. Or uh, Craig Kimbrell or Ian Kennedy. Uh, Craig Kimbrell might be a good buy. He is red hot. And relievers are hot and cold most of the time. And when they're hot, they're hot in a given year. And you can ride him. And he would be a key thing in the playoffs with the Mets starting pitcher. Uh, situation. So I wouldn't mind having Craig Kimbrell in there, but what do I know? Uh, but it was nice seeing Dominic Smith with that home run yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, that ball kept on drifting and drifting when he hit that grand slam home run. How about that guy? I hope his phone was okay. That was a big concern of Gary Cohen yesterday. Is his phone okay? Uh, but again, I think he got the benefit of the doubt from the ballpark on that. And Smith also singled on four at-bats, and he continued an excellent month represented by his 1.012 OPS since July 1st. And he had three homers in his first three games this month and added two more during three games in Cincinnati. So he has now has 14 RBIs in 17 games, and he's kind of looking like the old Dom Smith from 2020. Uh, but he's been getting a lot of clutch hits this year, and 
you like that. That's how you win pennants with the clutch hits. And what a performance from Marcus Stroman. I think he delivered the biggest clutch performance of them all. Uh, the relievers have been saving us without a doubt. But it was Marcus Stroman who saved the relievers yesterday. He gave them a spell. Give them a day to rest. Thank goodness. Uh, that's exactly what they needed. And he only allowed a third inning leadoff single to Aristides Aquino. And he finished at 90 pitches with seven strikeouts and one walk. For Jerry's Familia, mopped up in the ninth inning. Uh, so welcome, welcome, welcome addition for Marcus Stroman yesterday to the Mets pitching needs because he delivered. He delivered. Because uh, the Mets only had received five innings combined from their starting pitchers in the previous three games. And that included one-third of an inning stint by Taiwan Walker, who you expect more of on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Robert Stock gave the Mets one inning, and it really wasn't his fault because he was removed with a right hamstring injury. Uh, so it, it's been a struggle for the Mets, you know, just trying to put arms out there. Uh, bullpen's been taxed a little, but you got to give them credit. They hung tough. Uh, the bullpen has delivered most of the time this year, and that's all you can ask for. But even Rojas wanted to play it safe with Stroman after eight innings. Uh you want to save him because in his previous four starts, Stroman had pitched to a 5.0 ERA and he hadn't lasted past the fifth inning. So you don't want to burn that arm out if he isn't used to pitching that long. That's for sure. But all's well that ends well and a big win and we can savor it today. We have an off day. Like I said, big, big homestand coming up. We got the... Blue Jays coming in. We got the Marlins coming in. Marlins are pesky. They're a lot better in their record. And maybe we could put the Braves away by the time the end of this homestand comes and the Braves come to town. We shall see. Okay, now it's time for our Mets trivia and Jeopardy questions of the day. Who's ready? Who's got their thinking caps on? Ah, yeah, my peeps are ready. My peeps are ready. Okay, here's the trivia question. Who is the only Met player? Ever wear double zero? Once again, today's trivia question is who is the only player in Mets history to wear double zero? And today's Mets final jeopardy. Led the Mets in runs batted in with 76 in 1995. He was traded by the Detroit Tigers to the New York Mets in exchange for Alan Zinter on March 31st, 1994. Think about it. Lock in your answers. And at the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how you did. And I have a feeling a lot of you are going to get these because you're that smart. And I really appreciate it. Okay, now it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays. we got two to celebrate today. So get out that cake, light up those candles, and let's party hardy and wish. Jesse Hudson a happy birthday. Now, if you remember Jesse Hudson, you are the ultimate Mets fan. He wore number 38 and pitched two innings for us in that miracle year in 1969. Happy birthday, Jesse Hudson, who turns 73 today. Happy, 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 happy birthday to you, Rob Johnson. Wore number 16. He was with us in 2012. Played 17 games, had 52 at-bats. And 
that's it. So we've got two birthday boys today, Rob Hudson and Je Rob Johnson and Jesse Hudson. Now let's go to Met Transactions. Who remembers when Warren Spahn pitched for the Mets? One of the greatest pitchers of all time. Unfortunately, on this date in 1965, the Mets had to release Warren, and it looks like that was the end of the road for Warren. But what a career. One of the all-time greats. On this date in 1966, Dallas Green was purchased from the Philadelphia Phillies. Ah, yeah. I wonder if when they got him from the Phillies, if they knew he would be their manager one day. Now, a big trade at the time, Mets traded Ken Boyer and Sandy Almar to the White Sox for J.C. Martin and Bill Southworth. Yes, J.C. Martin, the man who made sure his shoes were shined, was acquired this day in 1967. And on this date, Rebel Rouser Doug Ziska, pretty good relief pitcher in his day for the Mets, was traded to the Atlanta Braves for Tony Valley. From what I recall, Doug could party hardy. Now on this date, Johan Santana was happy that they made this transaction because the Mets claimed Mike Baxter off of waivers on this date in 2011. This date in 2020, the Mets were looking for some offensive pop when they signed free agent Brian Dozier. Now, let's go back in time. We always put our time travel hats on at this point in time. And go back to 1986. Ah, uh, remember the Mets? They were brawlers back then, weren't they? And at this day in Mets history, the Mets were riding high, baby. Yeah, they were 13 games up in first place, very confident and very cocky. I think everyone outside the New York area hated the Mets, but that's okay. Us Mets fans loved them, and controversy was still surrounding the club after the incident in Houston where four of the Mets had been arrested at a popular night spot. But that just added to the 86 Mets legacy. On the field, they were the best team in baseball. <laughs> and I don't know if we want to be proud about this, but they were probably the most rowdy. And on this road trip to Cincinnati, there was yet another on-field brawl that once again just added to their legacy. On this Tuesday night, the Mets, 62-28, and 28, were at Riverfront Stadium facing Charlie Hustles, Pete Rose, fourth-place Reds at 44-47. and 47. Here's the lineup the Mets put out for that game that day. Lenny Dykstra, center field, leading off. Wally Backman, second base, batting second. Keith Hernandez, first base, batting third. Gary Carter, catching, batting fourth. Darryl Strawberry, right field, batting fifth. Danny Heap, left field, batting sixth. Ray Knight, batting seventh at third base. Rafael Santana, playing shortstop, batting eighth. And Bobby O, Bobby Ojeda, pitching, batting ninth. For the Reds, you had Max Venable, center field, leading off. Buddy Bell, third base, batting second. The Cobra, Dave Parker, right field, batting third. Bo Diaz, catching, batting fourth. Nick Asaski, left field, batting fifth. Wade Rodon, shortstop, batting sixth. Tony Perez, first base, batting seventh. Ron Oster, second base, batting eighth. And Scott Terry, pitching. Now, the game began with Bobby Ojeda going up against Scott Terry in front of 23,707 fans. But this wild game would see eight Met pitchers take them out and 22 players overall on the field. The Reds would have six pitchers and 22 players overall as well. The game started out with the Reds taking a 2 nothing lead in the third inning when Dave Parker hit a two-run homer. New York answered in the fifth as Lenny Dykstra drove in Ojeda with a triple. In the bottom of the inning, the Reds' buddy Bell homer putting the Reds up 3-1. to one. The game stayed that way until the ninth inning. With two outs, Dykstra walk and Tim Tuffle doubled. Say that two times fast. Tim Tuffle doubled. 
bringing up Keith Hernandez. Hernandez hit a fly ball to left field that should have been the third out, but Dave Parker dropped the ball. Parker admitted his anger toward the 86 Mets as he would curse out the TV set when he would see their nightly highlights. Now his arrow out, Dykstra and Tuffle scored a tie, tying runs to tie the game up. It was just another routine night for the Mets on their way to another win. In the bottom of the 10th, Jesse Orozco came in to pitch for the Mets. He started by striking out Dave Parker. Then player manager Pete Rose pinch hit and singled. He brought in Eric Davis to pinch run for him. Davis stole second and then stole third as Eddie Milner was struck out by Orozco. When Davis went into third base, he popped into third baseman Ray Knight. Now, Knight, who had played for the Reds from 1974 to 81, so he was familiar with the Reds <laughs> playing in that ballpark, and he was a former gold-glove boxer. People, maybe some of you guys don't know that, and he had already been the center of a few team brawls during the season. He yelled, what's wrong with you, Davis? He showed Davis back, trying to push him off the base. Davis pushed back. Knight then punched Davis in the face, dropped his glove like a hockey player, and he was ready to box. Third base umpire Eric Gregg tried to break it up, but that wasn't going to happen. Davis stepped back and then tried to come again, but Gary Carter tackled him to the ground. He was pulled away by the umpire and coach Tommy Helms. Eddie Milner came at night and was tackled by Mets, then tossed to the ground. Big Dave Parker came running and pulling Met players aside, shouting at night. Another Mets tough guy, former gang member Kevin Mitchell, went after Parker, but was stopped when Mario Soto and Bill Gullickson tackled him. Gullickson was tossed aside as well as Soto, uh, as Soto, but karate expert John Denny managed to keep Mitchell down. The area around third base had a lot of pushing and shoving going on. Ray Knight continued to yell one to go after Red's players. Order was finally restored after a long delay. Knight, Mitchell, and Davis were all ejected. As the Mets returned to the dugout, they saw George Foster, a longtime Reds player, sitting there. He was the only player or coach for that matter who had not gotten involved. He later said he did not want to send the wrong message to kids. And this was the end of George Foster's career. Soon after, Davey Johnson would enforce his teamwork with Demo Foster from left field position, giving the job to Kevin Mitchell, Danny Heap, Mookie Wilson, and Lee Mazzilli, who would be signed shortly. Foster was released a few weeks earlier. Uh, how many of you remember that? The fact that George didn't fight actually probably cost him a job and it will ring with the Mets. After all the madness in this wild game, the Mets were short of position players. Davey Johnson thought fast and made the only moves he could. Mets pitcher Roger McDowell went to play right field, Gary Carter went to third base, and Ed Hearn came in to catch. McDowell would switch from right field to left field, eventually relieve Orozco on the mound. Orozco would then go out and play the outfield. The game went to the 14th inning when Ed Hearn doubled and Jesse Orozco walked. Howard Johnson finally ended it with a three-run homer off Ted Power. McDowell closed out the Reds in the bottom of the inning, and the Mets won the game. Yeah, a lot of us Mets fans, that's one of the games we do remember from 86, isn't it? What a day that was. <laughs> Hard to forget that one if you saw it. What else happened on this day? Well, Jerry Kuzman stole second base. Yeah, the Kuz was a kleptomaniac, and he pitched a complete game in a 3-1 Mets victory over the Reds in 75. And, uh... On this date in 1984, 1994, unfortunately, Dwight Gooden was admitted to the Betty Ford Center in California for treatment of a substance abuse problem. Now, on this date in 2001, the Phillies, Phillies pulled out a 3-2 win over the Mets on Bobby Abreu's eighth-inning home run off John Franco. It is the first home run hit by a lefty off Franco since September 22, 1993. Uh, 
And on this day in 2008, the Mets blow a 5-2 lead entering the ninth as four relievers failed to protect Johan Santana's fine starting effort. The Phillies rally for an 8-6 win and overtake the Mets for first in the NL East Division. So Taguchi and Jimmy Rollins hit two run doubles. The Mets are without closer Billy Wagner, who was undergoing testing for shoulder pain. Okay, now we talk about what's going on in the greatest Mets group there is. New York Mets baseball way of life. If you're stumbling upon this podcast and don't know about our Facebook group, we're New York Mets baseball way of life. A lot of hardcore Mets fans there. We talk good stuff every day. So if you want to, please join that group. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, we put one up every day. Please do so. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm at philstan41 at gmail.com. What's going on in the group, you say? Well, we noted that the Mets claimed right-hander pitcher Raul Ramirez off waivers. Now, his numbers aren't looking too pretty this year. Pitched one big league inning for the Cardinals. He's about nine runs and four homers. I can guarantee you, I think he'll improve. Tom McGowan says he'll fit right in. Glenn Sherr says my exact thinking. <laughs> I also mentioned that Marcus Stroman joined the list of inning pitchers who have pitched eight innings and allowed one hit or fewer. Other Met pitchers who have done it, Jacob DeGrom twice, Matt Harvey, R.A. Dickey twice, Johan Santana, I'm sorry, R.A. Dickey did it three times. And the Mets acquired Carlos Rincon for Billy McKinney. Now Rincon is hitting 263, 343, 470 in 63 games played in AA this year. He has 12 home runs this season, 84 home runs across the board in his minor league career. And the hits just keep on coming. As I said, the Mets have three starting pitchers with ERAs among the best in the NL. Uh, Jacob Grom first with 1.08. Marcus Stroman second, a uh, ninth in the league with a 2.59. And Taiwan Walker, 14th with a uh, 14th best in the league. And let's not forget Taiwan McGill. He's pitched to a 2.63 ERA over five starts. Roscoe's returning soon. Peterson's returning. And maybe even Syndergaard this year. Wouldn't that be nice? And we also mentioned that the Mets brought up Steven Nagosik and Anthony Banda from AAA Syracuse. Corey Oswald, unfortunately, was transferred to the 60-day IL. And Travis Blankenhorn was optioned back to Syracuse. And outfielder Johnsway Fargus was designated for assignment. So that's some of the stuff we've been discussing in the group. Uh, like I said, join. It's the only way you're going to find out what's going on in the group. And we are—we have so many great members, and we do love everyone's support and participation. So if you're a member of the group, feel free to post whatever's on your mind. That's what we're here for. We're here to serve your admit needs. Okay, before we go, as we always do, we conclude the broadcast with the answers to our Met Trivia question of the day and our Mets Final Jeopardy. Once again, the trivia question, who is the only player in Met history to wear double zero? The correct answer is Tony Clark. And Met trivia expert Harvey Porras was the first in the group to get that one correct. Uh, the Mets' final jeopardy was two clues, led the Mets in runs, bat in with 76 in 1995, and traded by Detroit Tigers to New York Mets in exchange for Alan Zinter on March 31st, 1994. The correct response is, who is 
Allen's, uh, Rico Bronia. Rico Bronia, I'm reading Allen's insert. That's what he was traded for. Rico Bronia is the correct answer. Who is Rico Bronia? Can anybody tell me who Rico Bronia really is? Actually, I met him a couple years ago when they, they had the alumni come in on Fridays and sign autographs for the fans. That was a good experience. He was a nice guy. And Jason Wench. Jason, one of our Met resident gurus, especially when it comes to Jeopardy, got the answer right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I sure enjoyed doing it. I enjoy when you guys listen. Uh, what are you going to do today? There's no Met game today. Enjoy whatever you're doing, but don't forget, tomorrow we're back, and we're going to be talking, among other things, the big series coming up, the Blue Jays. So hopefully you're on board tomorrow, and like I said, subscribe. You'll know when this one's ready. The next one's ready all the time, and you can go through the whole library of these podcasts if you do subscribe. Well, that's it for now. Uh, enjoy the day, and let's get ready for the big homestand. Let's go, Mets. And again, guys, thanks a million for listening.